Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. You are joining us in week three of a series called Money Matters. And today is the day. Like for those of you that have been waiting on the shooter drop, well, when is he going to actually talk about me giving some money to the church? Like if you've been waiting on it, it's like, oh, here it is. I'm going to the bathroom now. And so I want to hit what I think is one of the most awkward, misinterpreted, misunderstood teachings when it comes to money and the church. And it especially has to do with tithes, offerings, and what Jesus has to say about generosity. Now, here's what I'll tell you. It is meant to bring freedom in the life of the believer. If not, I wouldn't be able to speak it. It inspires hope and brings freedom in the life of the believer. Now, here's the thing. Why is this an awkward subject? Now, if you've been a believer a long time, you go, well, it's not that awkward for me, like I've wrestled down. But if you're a new believer or you're just checking Christianity out, why is the church talking about money? And why in the world are you telling me, like, I, I, I got out of bed already today. I'm here why you want to talk to me about giving money? Well, here's the thing. The reason I think it's misunderstood is because almost every message that you hear about giving in the church, it comes from one Old Testament passage. By Old Testament, the first half of your Bible, the old covenant that we don't live underneath anymore. I grew up in church and every message pretty much that I heard a few times a year, it was like, hey, you need to give your tithes and offers to the church. Turn to the book of Malachi in your Bible and let me just hammer you with this word, boy. I'm gonna get you all under conviction today. That's kind of where it came from. And so here's the problem. Sometimes we try to force people of the new covenant of Jesus underneath the laws on certain different things, but not on other things. See, I'm fine if we want to live under the Old Testament law. You do, I don't. If you want to live under it, though, you got to live under all of it. Go read it. You'll go, never mind. Jesus, thank you. We are people of grace. When Jesus came, he said, I have fulfilled one covenant, the old covenant, and I have ushered in a new covenant of grace sealed by my blood. That's what Jesus said. I fulfilled the Old Testament law so that you can live in freedom under grace. And so when it comes to tithes and offerings, sometimes our only mentality is the framework of the old covenant, but we're not really sure what Jesus has to say on it. You should always get Jesus's perspective. So here's what I think. I think today is going to challenge everybody. It's going to offend some, and I'm not trying to. I love you if I offend you today. And then for others, it may cause you to have to like deconstruct and reconstruct biblically what the Bible has to say about generosity. First, let me give you the big idea of money matters because here's where we're coming back to. The big idea is this, God wants me to live rich, wise, generous, and free. Now remember, when I say rich, it's not simply a bank account term, it is a life substance term, a purpose. God wants you to live a rich life. Jesus said, I came to give life abundantly. You know what it means? Rich and satisfying and full life. That's what he came to give. But here's the thing, a rich life in Christ means a life that is lived wise and generous and free. And so here's what I wanna do first. I wanna start with that very Old Covenant, Old Testament passage written down in the book of Malachi. Now, here's what I'm gonna tell you. What I'm reading you is not irrelevant. The Old Testament in your Bible is not irrelevant. It's just incomplete without the teaching of Jesus. And so this small book of Malachi, if you find the book of Matthew, 
in your Bible, and then you turn to the left, you'll actually find this book. And so I want to start with God speaking through the book of Malachi, speaking through the man Malachi to his people uh, over 2,000 years ago now, 24, 23, 2400 years ago. This is the message. And here's what he said Should people cheat God? Now, rhetorically, we would all go, Of course not, we shoot and cheat, shoot and keep, cheat God. Yeah, you have cheated me, God says. But you ask, God, what do you mean? And so people are surprised. God, when did we cheat you? When did we ever cheat you? And God says this, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse. Now that's pretty heavy. You didn't give your money to the church, so now you're living underneath the curse. And you see why this passage can kind of be used to like pour it on. It's like, man, you're already getting your wallet out like halfway in. I don't want to be under a curse of God here. But this is it. He said, you cheated me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes. And by the way, this word tithe means one-tenth. One-tenth of your resources, your income, your increase. Bring it into the storehouse. In other words, the temple. Bring it into the temple so there'll be enough food in my temple. So I find it really strong that God said the people of the old covenant were living underneath the curse because they didn't uh, didn't bring 10% of their money to the temple. And here's what he said it was going to be for. If you will trust that 10%, that will take care of the priest and all the needs of the temple. And then look what he says. There's an if-then promise that went with this. He said, if you do, the Lord of heaven's armies declares, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Now again, this is another misinterpreted verse. Because what we think is, well, God, uh, and, and what's even been preached, Lord, if I pull out my wallet and I give him 10 of every 100, then the windows of heaven are gonna open into my bank account. That's not what it says. It says, I will open the windows of heaven. Do you do understand there are blessings that are not financial, that are actually more important? But here's what he's saying. I will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you so you won't have enough room to take it in. Now, I'm gonna show you the statement, and this is what I really love about this passage. The only time in scripture God says this, try it, put me to the test. We test God in a lot of things that he didn't tell us to test him in. Often we don't test him in the one that he said, hey, it's okay, bring it. Test me and see if this is right, if I won't open the windows of heaven. And here's the blessing. He kind of gives them a picture, a snapshot of, you know, three or 400 years before the turn of the first century there. Uh, you find the, uh, the blessing look like this. Your crops will be abundant. In other words, I'm gonna provide for you food. I will guard them from insects and disease. God says the blessing is gonna be that I'll take care of the things that you have no control over in nature. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And so again, the only time that you see a tangible worship generosity challenge in scripture is right here. Worship me by letting go of 10% and then see if I will be faithful to you. I will open the windows of heaven. I will protect your income and your provision. I'll provide for your family. And so if you grew up around church, you probably are sort of familiar with this teaching in scripture. And again, it's not irrelevant, but without understanding what Jesus has to say on the other side, it's sort of incomplete. And so let me just give you a summation of the old covenant law. Here's what it looks like. It's God saying, by the way, I've given you everything you have. Let go of 10% back to me. That's a tithe. And then he said this, and offerings. He didn't say how much. He just said offering. Offering is where you go, God, I want to give more away. And here's what God said. I'll bless the rest. I'll open the windows of heaven and bless. And so I want to distinguish between these two covenants today, the old covenant. And so here's how a simple way to describe the old covenant. 
The old covenant is this, give 10% and then live. 10% give and then live. And that's old covenant. And so it's a principle and a promise that I think you could still say, well, I, I can live under that principle and promise today. So why the change? Why am I making a big deal about the fact that there's something missing? It's because we know the rest of the story. The people in the Old Testament, all they had was the words of the prophets. They didn't see Jesus clearly yet. They didn't have his example. They didn't know how he lived. Also, they didn't have the spirit of God poured out on all people that believed. They didn't have that yet. We live in such a time of grace. And so I wanna show you, because everything I'm saying today, I'm using a lot of scripture because I want you to see the biblical principle and it's not just, hey, Joe's good ideas. Look what Paul said. He goes, sin is no longer your master. Why? You no longer live under the requirements of the law. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't live under obligation to the Old Testament law. But what do you live under? You do live under something. You live under the freedom of God's grace. And so there's been a shift from this old covenant, obey the Ten Commandments or go to hell. Give your 10% or don't be blessed by God. We've moved to a place of grace, but what does that mean? What's Paul saying? See, one of the things I think Paul was saying here it is wrong for a pastor, preacher, teacher to use the Old Testament to try to twist somebody's arm into obedience. That's not what it's meant to do. In fact, the Pharisees had done that. The people that Jesus didn't get along with the most, they were the ones that tried to force people underneath about 613 laws. And they couldn't even memorize them, much less try to keep all of them. And Jesus came and said, I fulfilled that. And I'm gonna give you a much simpler way to live. Live underneath grace. Live underneath grace. And so what does Jesus say about living and giving under the new covenant? Well, let me go and say that Jesus does not count void the book of Malachi, what was taught. Here's what Jesus said, and he's right in the middle of letting the Pharisees have it. The religious people who tried to force everybody underneath the rules, he's right in the middle of letting them have it. He said, what sorrow awaits you, your teachers of religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now that's Jesus is like, that's about like as strong of a language. That's like Jesus using a word that's like, whoo, you know, he's going, you hypocrites. He's calling them out for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. So I can see him out there, out there, you know, like whatever, picking vegetables out of the garden going one for God, nine for me, one for God, nine for me. That's a, the picture that's here. And so, but you ignore, God says, the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Now, Jesus said, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And so a better rendering of this, if you look at the original language, Jesus really was saying, you should have been tithing without neglecting justice, mercy, and faith. It's great that you give some money, but you're neglecting things. And here's what God was getting at. There's no amount of money that you can give. Like tithing doesn't mean that God will overlook injustice and unforgiveness and lack of faith in your life. And so what was he saying here? Jesus affirms the idea that you can give money. But then he says 10% isn't all you should give. You should give your life to fight against injustice. That's a tithe to the Lord. That's an offering to the Lord. You should also show mercy. You should also have faith. In some ways, I think, for some people, a tithe, that doesn't take any faith to tithe. You're like, I just give that to the Lord. Faith would be, well, what if God said, you know what, give more. Now, here's, let, me, let me go ahead and say this. I'm speaking to some of the most generous people that I've ever seen in my life. 
I'm looking at you and even you watching online. I mean, it's incredible because when we ask, you guys are incredibly generous. So I told the Lord, I was like, I don't really want to say all this today because I'm looking at generous people. But God was like, encourage people with this because it really challenged my life. And so where, what else does Jesus say about giving under the new covenant? This is one of the most offensive verses in all of the Bible. Because this is, if you want to go, okay, Joe, where is the tithing verse in the New Testament? This is one of the ones that describes really more holistic living under the new covenant. Here it is. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Why such a challenge here? It's way easier to give a percentage of our money than it is to consider giving our lives up for the sake of the gospel. Old covenant and the Pharisees had gotten to a place where they're going, yeah, Lord, we, here, we'll give you a percentage. Jesus seems to challenge us with this though. 100% of everything you are because of what my son, you know, God saying what my son did for you at the cross, giving you a whole life you would have never had. 100% of it belongs to me. And so this is a holistic statement. But here's what he says. He says that you got to give up your own way. Another way to say that, deny yourself. And I thought, how many times over my history would my budget have been better if I just would have taken that one piece of advice? Deny yourself, Joe, like you don't need it. But deny yourself means that I've got to say, God, it's not about my will, it's about your will. Now, here's the thing. We delight ourselves in the Lord he will give us the delights of our heart. He'll give us the desires of our heart. But this is getting to a place where you say, God, your will is more important for my life than mine. What does it mean to take up your cross? Because after all, Jesus took up the cross for us so that we wouldn't have to, right? So what it means is you have to actually embrace the pain and the sacrifice of being a follower of Jesus. There is a cost Somewhere along the way, we got this idea that because Jesus paid the price and it cost us nothing to be born again, other than just saying, God, I believe I put my faith, being a Christ follower and living out new life, there actually is a cost. And it's the pain of taking up that cross daily. God, I I know that following you is going to cost me something in this world, and I'm willing to take that up. And then he says this, actually, follow me. And so there's so much here, but let me give you kind of a new covenant of grace. So we looked at the old, old, old covenant of law. New covenant of grace is this. You willingly give me 100%. Take up your cross, follow me wherever I lead you. When you put your boots on every morning, God, this day is yours. I know I got a plan. I know I have a job. I know I've got a family. I know I have things to do. But ultimately, God, all that is your path for me. So I'm gonna put it in my boots and I'm gonna live it out. 100% is yours. And here's the flip side of that. God says... I'll give you, John 10, 10, if you want to write this down and go look at it, I'll give you a rich and satisfying life. And what will that life do? It'll bring me glory. If you'll let go of everything, you won't be nearly as stressed out anyway and say, God, it's all yours anyway. I will give you. Now, let me go back to distinguishing the covenants before I share one more piece of scripture with you. Distinguishing the covenants. The old covenant law says this, give and then live. God said in Malachi 3, give and then live. But what does the new covenant say? Live to give. And here's what I call that, irrational generosity. I heard Pastor Craig Groeschel many years ago, he made a statement and I heard him and he talked about irrational generosity. And I said, God, that is the kind of person I wanna be. 
I wasn't living wise enough to actually be at that point in my life, but I said, God, that's what I want to be. And anytime I would see somebody who, they were just generous, generous people. They didn't hold tightly everything. God, they seemed like they just gave away. How can you give away so much? And God just kept restoring. And I said, that's irrational generosity. The world looks at it and they go, you are crazy for giving that much of what you have. Why are you letting things go? Well, the New Testament covenant, I would argue, is not just give and live 10%. It's a live to give. God, you gave me bread today, and so what can I give? That includes your money. That includes your life, your time, your gifts, your resources. And so this is how the Lord Jesus lived. Go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He lived on this earth about 33 years, and you know what he did with the time? He lived to give. He gave everything he had. He, gave, he actually held on to nothing monetary. He gave all. He decided for him that he wouldn't even buy a house here. He was only going to stay for a few years anyway, and he knew I'm going to heaven again. So he didn't even buy a house. He lived place to place to place, and he literally gave everything away. And so the easy news to receive here is that as a new covenant person, a person that lives under that grace, that freedom of God's grace, you don't have to live by the rules of the Old Testament but that's not a license either. Because here's the thing. God wants you to live under the freedom of live to give new covenant grace. God, it's not just about how much money I put in a plate or go online and spend. Now, I will say this. This is not about, you know, uh, the, the good thing is because you're not obligated. When the bucket goes by, if you ever feel any guilt, like, well, shoot, somebody's putting in and I'm not. Will you just release that? Nobody's looking at you and going, oh, they, you know, Tim today, you know, he didn't drop anything. Did you see that? You know, Courtney, she didn't, she didn't drop anything in a bucket. Folding up a piece of paper to drop it in there real quick. I did, I dropped something in there. Can you just release that? I know that this stigma over the church for so long has been it's about the amount you give or did you put in the bucket this week? Can you just like exhale and just go, that's not the most important thing God cares about. He's looking deeper to your heart, that live to give. Now I will admit that, when I go online and I give online, you know, there's a little box where it says, do you want to pay the fees for your church? For some reason, the enemies, I still feel guilty. I'm like, I got to check the box, that governor. I feel that way. But here's the thing. The enemy wants to come in and start guilting, 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 guilting. This message is about releasing you to live underneath the freedom of grace. See, under the new covenant, as a born-again Christian, Everything you have is surrendered to Jesus, where you go, God, it's all yours. How do you want me to direct this? How do you want me to cheerfully let go of what I have? And so I want to give you a couple of things, my least favorite part of the message today. And the reason is it feels selfish and personal to say this, but I, I prayed about it. I told our staff this week, I don't want to share this part. And, and somebody was like, yeah, you probably should go ahead and share it. What does the Bible say about giving money in the new covenant? So I want to give you a scripture. There's two, there's two places specifically, kind of categorically, that the Bible says you should give your money to. And here's the first one, and you'll understand why it's a little awkward to share. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offering. So that's back to that old covenant. You bring your tithe into the storehouse and you're gonna take care of the temple servants and the, kind of the mission of the temple, if you will. 
In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. And so here's God applying that under new covenant as you should take care of those that serve you in the church. Now you see why it's a little awkward because I'm like, hey, you know, when you put money, I want to look at you as a church though and say this, you guys support my family, our staff. And when you give, uh, I'll, I'll give you an update on where we are in our giving in just a minute, but you give through the church into other places. And so I want to say thank you, but I do want you to know that what you're doing is biblical. Because here's the first place, two expected places. The first one is the church, that you should give to the church. And I'm humbled because you guys are so generous. And so as a pastor, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you so much. You free me up to live in my calling. And I, I, you know, one of the things that I'm committed to is week by week, I want to study God's word. I want to love the people. I want to have something to actually bring when I stand before you. But in so many ways, you free me up to allow me to do this. And it's not like an oblig, we don't feel obligated on that part. I'm called to do this, but you free me up. And I want to say thank you. And as well as our staff, uh, there are 17 people on staff here, both uh, intern, volunteer, part-time and full-time on our staff right now. And we couldn't do that without your generosity. And so literally you fulfill that scripture I just read every time that you show generosity. But there's actually another place where God says you, you are obligated as a follower, 100% steward to give. And, and I wanna give you one place. So many places in the New Testament will make this point. So Paul says regarding your question about money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, let me catch you up on the story that's going on here. Now the church has spread all over the world outside of Jerusalem and the people in Jerusalem are suffering. They're underneath the Roman government rule and it's a really, really hard time in Jerusalem and the church is suffering. They don't have their needs met. And so here's what he says, on the first day of each week, Sunday, when you gather, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Now he doesn't say 10%, he said a portion. Don't wait till I get there to collect it, start putting it back now. Why? So that you can give for those in need. And so here's really... The second place of obligation is those in need. So the first is the church, the second is those in need. If you want to write a note to go read later, Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says, give drink to the thirsty, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, care for the wounded, visit those in prison. And he says, I'm keeping up with it. And so at Riverbend, you have been faithful and generous and, and through Project Hope, you've done more of this than you know. We'll, we'll never be able to tell all the stories because one, we wanna protect the dignity of people who you have been able to serve. But then in so many ways, you've also been an example publicly. And so I wanna kind of give you an update. In one week's time for Ukraine, you literally fulfilled this, the church in Ukraine. Over one week, you guys gave $30,000 above and beyond. Is that not incredible? It's crazy to me to think how much. Yeah, yeah. I praise the Lord for it. So also there was a part of this was something that where we added some set aside funds from tithes and offerings to the amount. Also, uh, there was a church, Oconee Baptist Church. Uh, Pastor Jeff Graham, he called me and said, I heard y'all were doing this. We're gonna take up offering too. We put it all together. There's $30,000. But when I read this scripture, literally it is being fulfilled 2,000 years later because there are people that are suffering in Ukraine and their pastor called me in yesterday and he was just like in tears going, man, I thought it was gonna be like a few hundred dollars. I cannot believe you guys were so generous to do this. And, uh, and so just amazed at what the Lord has done through that as you have already been living this out. But I wanna end here 
with uh, connecting the old covenant and the new covenant. Second Corinthians chapter nine. And I want to encourage you again, there's a lot of scripture today. Second Corinthians chapter eight and chapter nine, go read the whole things in its entirety because it'll give you a huge snapshot of, of what generosity really looked like in the early church. But here's what Paul says. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And so here's the idea of sowing and reaping. Whatever you let go of, you get back. You sow a little bit, you get back a lot. Now, this is not to be taken out of context. I've heard pastors before, maybe well-meaning, maybe not, but they'll go on TV or they'll go on Facebook and say, I want you to sow a seed into my ministry. You send me money and I promise you that God's gonna bless you. And I thought, I wonder what would happen if I really believe that, then I'm gonna start sending money out to everybody else. If I really, I mean, if I really believe that, I'm gonna start just getting your address and start mailing, Kyle, I'm gonna mail you 100 in the mail. I'm gonna start mailing it out. You know, all of Dane, I'm gonna send you. If I really believe this. So what's he saying? Is it just about giving and then getting back? No, here's the thing. The farmer who plants a lot will get a lot. The person who plants a little will get a little. But look at the key to it. You must decide in your heart how much to give. There's a generosity statement under the new covenant. What is the Lord leading you in your heart to do? See, once you violate that conscience, then at that point, that guilt, like you gotta work that out with the Lord. And I do too. No one should use old covenant to try to convict and guilt you into doing something where you're going, I don't, I don't really feel, feel led to do that. Now, on the flip side of that though, you have to decide in your heart where the spirit is working. And here's what God says, he goes further. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. That should be a little bit of an exhale to go, you know, some people can give more in different seasons than others. And you go, you know what? God says, don't give reluctantly or underneath pressure. Why? God loves a person who gives cheerfully, not reluctantly. And look at this. Here's what he says though. Whenever you let go, whatever God's put in your heart to let go of, God will generously provide all you need. Then you will have everything you need. Here's the old covenant promise backed up in the New Testament. You will have everything you need and you will have plenty left over. Did you know that God is a God of leftovers? You can read the New Testament. What you'll find out, God is all about not just giving you what you need only, but giving you leftover. But do you know the motive for him giving leftover? Why? So that you can share with others. Listen, this is a tough passage to take in, but it's so freeing when you actually get it. As the scriptures say, and I would love it. You know what? This is said about River Bend. Praise the Lord. I want to live in this. They share freely and give generously to the poor or to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. God will get the glory forever. Let me give you two or three thoughts underneath this. Irrational generosity under the new covenant. And you know what it means? That our blessing will be in proportion to our giving. That is something that you can't, you can't deny either way. Now, our blessing, whatever we let go of, however much we feel in our heart, God, I'm supposed to let go of this, whether that's giving to the church, whether that's giving to a family in your neighborhood, whether that's giving to somebody that you know and no one else would ever know about it, and you go, God, I'm gonna give. Whatever you let go of, the same proportion will be measured back to you. That is a principle that we see in Scripture. 
And so that Old Testament give, trust, and let go. One time I remember when, when Courtney and I started like tithing, there was an older pastor. I mean, he was, he was in, his, uh, in his 80s at the time, but he actually was attending the seminary class that I was taking. And he didn't need to be in there, but he wanted to be there with a bunch of young guys. And so I remember a conversation got going one time. So do we tithe on the net or on the gross that we make? And he sat there. He just listened to everybody and he said, which one do you want to be blessed on? And I thought, that gummit, man, why didn't you have a better? It was a challenge. But here's the thing. We will be blessed in this life, and I, I would even argue in the life to come, based on what we're willing to let go of, the proportion to our giving. And let me give you the second piece here that we see. Giving should be from a cheerful, cheerful heart, not just a guilty conscience. Now let that simmer for a second in your heart. Sometimes we, we feel a little bit just like, I wish we could go ahead and get through this when we talk about generosity. And part of that is because we haven't gotten a healthy perspective on what God sees. He says plainly in 2 Corinthians 9, giving should be from a cheerful heart. Lord, I get to do this. I get to be a part of what you're doing by letting go of the resources you've given me now I'll say this, if it's a guilty conscience because you know the Lord has been telling you you need to let go of something, I'm not gonna release you from that burden. You gotta work that out with the Lord. I mean, I, I can't even do anything about that. If the Lord has convicted you, you've got to decide what to do with that. On the flip side of that, if guilt is just because how you were raised and it's been pounded in that you're not enough and you don't make enough and you don't give enough and that's the only reason you feel guilt, I hope today is an exhale for you to go, God, will you teach me what new covenant giving looks like? God wants to set people free. He's not about putting people in bondage. Jesus came to set us free. And so you should decide in your heart how much to give and then cheerfully give of whatever resources you have. Do you know what a guilty giver will say? How little can I give and not feel guilty anymore? Do you know what a cheerful giver says? How much can I give in return for what Jesus has done for me? I've learned this over time. You have to listen to the prompts of the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do? Anytime you're prompted to give, did you know that that is proof that the Holy Spirit is at work in you? I don't think the enemy will ever come along and ask you to be generous towards someone else. In fact, you could argue that Satan is a taker, a, ste a stealer, a thief, a destroyer. And so anytime you feel prompted to give, that's God. God prompts people to give. He prompts people to give privately. He prompts people to give of their time. He prompts people to let go. But you have to decide if you're gonna go with it. Now, let me give you an implied truth this year because we can't miss this. Irrational generosity requires wise living. And what do you mean by that, Joe? We're not the best money managers in our life for the most part. Now, there are some people in the room and you got it figured out. You've worked hard and you manage your money well. But the vast majority of us in the room, we were never taught how to manage money. We were never taught to plan for generosity, even though we want to. When God gets a hold of your heart, you want to, but you're like, I've just never really planned. So we have to learn. The only way to be generous, you have to be wise. God, I, that's why I encourage you, like get an app like every dollar. 
Get something that helps you track your spending so you can say, God, I want to be ready to give. I remember years ago, the only way we could do it was to literally put a line item in our budget that I called it our generosity line. Now I would call it our IG line, our irrational generosity. God, we want to give away, just put it in there. And so as we close, here's what I want to do. I want to give you probably the greatest truth that put Mary's the Old Testament. It sort of transcends that old covenant and new as you put it together. And here's the thing. It's the freedom of irrational generosity. And here it is. And so here it is. The freedom of irrational generosity is this. You can't outgive God. Let me talk to you if you're watching from home or your car or work or wherever you're tuning in from today. And just ask you, have you ever taken this into your heart and mind? You cannot outgive God. This is sort of the New Testament understanding of what the Old Testament said. That Old Testament challenge where God said, try me and see if I'll be faithful. Give 10% and then live on the rest. The shift to New Testament challenge is this. It's like God saying, see if you can outgive me. See if there's anything you can let go of that I won't give back. In fact, there's a, there's a, a verse that I love, Luke 6, 38. Look at this. Here's what he says, give and you will receive. This is Jesus speaking. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaking together, making room for more, running over, and poured out into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. Now, this applies to a lot of things in our life, but it definitely applies to giving. See, sometimes we feel like, you know, if this is our life bucket and our money bucket and our time bucket and our resources bucket, we understand that Jesus, when I surrender to you, I've realized that everything I have is yours. So if this is the God bucket, this is you, pour it into it. He poured into your life. And the enemy will come along and say, hey, you need to protect what's in your bucket because if you pour out, you're not gonna have. Here's the New Testament principle. You can't outgive God. We pour out our family. We give money to the church. We found out about a need in the community, so we give. And you start scattering seed and pouring, and you think the bucket's gonna be empty. But what you don't realize this principle is, God comes along behind you, and as you pour out, listen, every time you stop, he pours back in. You pour out, he pours back in. And you look and you're going, God, how is my bucket still full? But here's what I've learned. There is nothing you will let go of for the kingdom of God that you will ever miss in the long run. Anytime you've ever been generous and tried to outgive God, I promise when you look back, you go, Lord, I, I don't even know, know that I missed it. Why? Because you can't outgive God. Even though this Old Testament idea of just give 10% and then live on the rest, even though this is still a good principle, still a great promise, the generosity principle of the New Testament, see how much you can let go of for the kingdom of God. See what you can do. Let your life be about living to give. That's the freedom of irrational generosity. So here's where it really comes down to. You gotta ask yourself, am I really surrendered to Jesus? Have I really surrendered my life? And if you have, open your hands up to him and say, God, I, I want this month ahead of me, this year ahead of me to be a life of irrational generosity. I want other people to be blessed by what I can let go of. And listen, you'll have incredible stories if you do. God's stories of how God is using your life and how you're getting to be a part of something greater. But I just wanna challenge you, live to give. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna issue a challenge to you. 
Something that you go, hey, for 30 days, would I be willing to do this? So starting tomorrow or even starting today, whatever day you're watching or tuning in, a challenge I wanna issue to you. And here's the first piece of it. Get you a way to track your money. Use the Every Dollar app every day. And that's the wise living piece. You, you gotta get ready to be able to be generous, to live, to give. The second challenge I wanna offer you is give 1% more than you do now through tithes and offerings. Return that back to the Lord. If you, if you go to a different church besides Riverbend, I would challenge you. Say, I'm gonna let go of my church. I wanna trust. And you go, Joe, I don't give anything right now. Well, God's not gonna be mad at you if you start where you can. Just say, I'm gonna give 1%. See what the Lord does to it. Now, here's what I'll say. That promise and principle is back to 10%, the tithe. But listen, God's not judging us based on the old covenant. He's actually calling us to the higher standard of the new covenant. So start somewhere and see if God is faithful. If you already give, this is a challenge to you to go, will you give more? Let go, see what the Lord's doing through your church. See what the Lord believe in it. When you give to Riverbend, you can be assured that not only are you caring for the people here, you're giving through Riverbend into our community. And so give. The third thing is this, give something of value away to someone in need every week throughout this, uh, this next month. Sometimes we go clean out our closet and get the stuff we'll never ever use again. The live to give challenge for you is find something of value to you. Some, find something that matters to you and then look and find somebody else who could be blessed by it and then say, God, I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it to them in your name. I'm not saying post about it and write about it. You kind of can lose your blessing at that. I'm saying do it and don't tell anybody. See what the Lord does. And then this is the really, really important one. If you really wanna see what God's gonna do over the course of a month, the fourth one is this. Keep a daily note or a journal. Open a note on your phone or get a journal and write down about God's faithfulness to you through this month as you do this. Why? God said, test me, try me. I think that transcends to the new covenant. Test me and try me. See if you can outgive me. Sometimes we don't realize the blessing because we haven't really journaled it. Write a sentence every day. Just saying, here's what I did. Here's what I saw God do today. And just see the story that the Lord writes in your life. Listen, I challenge you to live to give. This is the irrational generosity challenge. And I can't wait to hear your story and see what God does in your life. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.